0: Neal Abute, thank you very much for joining us here at Lawrence.com. You will be speaking at a KU lecture titled Life on Stage and on Film. And just wanted to get your perspective on speaking at your alma mater and returning to a college that you attended as sort of a conquering hero. Is that a bit surreal?
1: (laughs) It is a bit surreal. It's nice to be asked. Actually, I can't say that all the colleges that I attended have asked me back. (laughs) So uh, it's a pleasure. I actually have been back... uh, Four alums come home previously, uh, so that was nice. And uh, I always liked Lawrence just as a community. So it's a it's a nice thing to come back. Um, it is it is strange, I mean, to go from from being a student and and attending lectures and and talks and that kind of thing to to giving the actual talk. Uh, I'm thinking the attending is actually easier than giving the talk. So now I'm wishing <laughs> I was on that end again. But um, this time I'll have to stand up there and seem as if I've got some sense of 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 what i want to say
0: <laughs> so you don't have any sense of living out every student's petty dream of grandeur and <laughs> and i do speak as a former film major so uh... i harbor so those petty dreams, yeah.
1: dreams I yeah. think. <laughs> Um sh- certainly you know i i count myself one of the lucky few i mean there are there are, i'm not sure of the specifics but there are those kinds of um... urban legends you can you can and then not even legends really you can be you can call the uh... Screen Actors Guild or the Writers Guild, and ask just how many people who are even registered with those guilds who are actually working members, and uh, and it's a frightening number, you know, in in the uh, under ten percentile. So it's um, it's to be doing what you want to do and what you set out to do, um, in some fashion, is a, a really nice thing. I, I go to work every day happy that I'm not just working but working in a in a field that I that I wanted to work in. So. To be able to come back and talk about that, the work that I've done since I was at Ku is a is a real pleasure.
0: And while you were at Ku, did you focus primarily on theater or on film?
1: I took a couple of film classes. I don't think the film program was was as um, as strongly underway as it is now, say. Um, so I, I took some classes with Chuck Berg, saw some films that that I had never seen before and really loved. Um, and had, and really, that was my approach to film. Though, in almost until I made a film, I was always a film lover. But I, I really didn't set out to make them. I always had hoped to to get into the theater. And while I was at Ku, I certainly did a, more theater than I did than, than I did film work. Uh, I watched a lot of movies. I've always I've always done that. But in terms of actually practically applying myself to something, I was doing theater. All over campus, you know, it was, it was not just in the, in the Pardo or the Inge Theater, but, but uh, not even in, the Mur- in Murphy Hall, but I was all up and down the campus. I was probably more a nuisance than anything, and, you know, doing shows underneath the stairs at the Natural, Natural History Museum and out in the open. And so I, I, I constantly was kind of dipping my hands into the theater world.
0: And you said you were more of a film buff than you were as a, a, an active pursuer of filmmaking. I'm just curious, who are some filmmakers or directors that you admire?
1: Oh, many, many. Um, I'm, I'm not stingy with my praise, you <laughs> know, and, and not stingy with my praise toward people who are my age or younger. You know, mm-hmm. so, sometimes you only hear people say, "Well, I love Bergman, and I love D.W. Griffith," and you know, those big people who existed, you know, Obscure years picks. before them. Um, I, I love certainly people who have come throughout film history, but um, there's a lot of folks out there working right now who I I look forward to their next film, you know. Um, and it might not even be someone that I, I feel like their whole body of work that I've been looking forward to, but the film they're doing now I look forward to. Mm-hmm. I can't say that every movie that Sean Penn has made as a director I, I thought completely successful, yet I'm really looking forward to Into the Wild. Yeah. You know, um, I look forward to the, the, the next Paul Thomas Anderson and all, I'm sure I'll go see the next Wes Anderson. <laughs> so anything by someone named Anderson, apparently I like, <laughs> um, the Coen brothers, um, gosh, there's just, you know, a, a list of people and, and certainly, uh, I'm a big, um, foreign film advocate. So I, I try and go to those films constantly or, or buy them or rent them. So, um. I'm I'm a I'm not a fair weather fan. I'm I'm someone who I, I spend much more time out of my life watching movies than I do making them. Um so I I'm someone who, who really I'm glad that people are out there making them and not just me.
0: And speaking of your own film output, I've gotten the impression in some of the interviews I've read with you in the past that while you do love working in both mediums, you seem to really prefer getting into a theater and and doing theatrical work. And I wonder, based on what you said you have studied at KU and elsewhere, you have had a a more of a bent towards theater. And I'm wondering, (laughs) has maybe your perception of film Become a bit skewed once you started making films, you know and you get into the less romantic aspects of trying to meet a schedule and, and a budget and and um, kind of like finding out how sausages and legislation is made is it, is it <laughs> does it become more of a burden uh, uh, when you start I, making I don't films? If, i don't
1: know if that's the case. I certainly you know realized from making the smallest of, of movies with the with the most limited budgets to to certainly bigger ones with with many millions of dollars at stake um, that the headaches are about the same. They just grow exponentially with the, the amount of money you're spending. Uh, but there's a kind of pressure that comes with filmmaking that I don't necessarily feel doing theater. But but my feelings about that, of of, like, feeling more toward one than the other generally have come from questions like yours or, or, or people <laughs> saying if you had to choose between one of you know so i i'm hoping always that i never have to choose right. and i'm able to do both i certainly love doing both but but I, I guess because i started out in the theater or um i still you know just barely now consider myself a writer you know i feel like i can write that on forums and not get laughed at <laughs> so um i i think that my uh some side of me does feel most comfortable in a theater working in the theater but um i've i've really enjoyed the times i've worked making movies the making them I, I certainly have learned in the last decade um just how much time that takes you know it it is a dedication to one thing that uh is is much longer in terms of you know that that love affair between you and, and a piece of material than say in the theater where you know in a month you could have a show up and running and it can continue to run for a long time. Um, Whereas the process of making a movie is about a year, somewhere in there between the working on a script and and pre-production and shooting and post-production and then the release, you're you're right at about a year or or sometimes more. So you you have to love that thing that you do, Uh, I mean, unless you've just taken it for money. and, And thankfully, I've never... Done a job so far that that uh, you know I feel like without that, that paid for you know a car or an education that was they 've all been movies, whether you like them or not, I did because I liked them mm-hmm. and um, and so I hope that 's the way I always pursue films and and theater
0: yeah and uh, we 'll talk about the project you 're working on currently, Lakeview Terrace with Samuel L Jackson, which I assume you were editing earlier today
1: yes i'm in i 'm in the throes of that right now i 'm in the in the stage called the director 's Cut, which is uh, Ten weeks usually that you have after you've finished making the film to to give your version of it to say this is how I feel the movie should should look and and sound. Um, Lakeview Terrace is a scripted that wasn't written by myself. I, I've uh, worked with another writer on it um, since I since I became involved and then took a pass on it myself. But but ultimately with somebody else's story and it's a uh, it deals with with race in Los Angeles, not uh, like a wide sweeping. Look at race. Something like like Crash, maybe, uh, where where there were more characters involved. But um, it's something that I've been interested in. I, I wrote a play a few years ago called This Is How It Goes, which dealt with race. And uh, I was I was at a time for a time rather looking at a, at a film uh, to do it again with Ben Stiller, who was who was in the the play um, called Dem, which dealt with race in the in the nineteen sixties. So I've, I've been interested in in, in that world for some time, and this script was presented to me by um, uh, Overbrook, uh, which is Will Smith's company, and um, I, I just uh, found the notion, the look at at the kind of racial politics uh, in Los Angeles interesting, uh, the perspective, it's kind of coming from the Sam Jackson character who's a black policeman. Uh, living in a suburban neighborhood, and, and he takes issue with a, a mixed-race couple who, who moves into into the, the, the cul-de-sac that he lives in and next door to him, and uh, he begins this kind of campaign to uh, to move them out. And so that, that triangle of attention between he and the, the young couple I thought was really interesting, and so uh, it was something that I felt I could do something with.
0: Yeah, and that will be released next year, is that right?
1: Uh, yes, sometime next year.
0: As you mentioned, this wasn't a project that you initially wrote, but you, you did work on and you are directing currently. That's right. You've directed uh, several films in recent years that you, are not based on plays that you've written. I was wondering if maybe you're trying to keep your theater work and your film work separate from here on out, or do you have another adaptation that you're planning?
1: Well, I did a play a couple of years ago that, that still um, has a, a, seems like a lot of life, and it gets, gets a lot of productions here and, and elsewhere, called Fat Pig. And uh, it's one that that's hopefully still may go to Broadway. Uh, it's it's in line to go to London. Um, that's a that's a piece that I've heard a number of people look at me and say I, I, that seems like it would make a great movie. Um, and I've thought about it, but but not in the terms in which I did the Shape of Things, which was kind of a direct adaptation with the same cast, and mm-hmm. and it really was like pulling the play off the stage and just putting it in the locations that um that matched what the what the script called for and the scenes were, you know, as long as they were on stage and there were only ten of them, that, that sort of thing. That was a direct, you know, literal adaptation. Um, this feels like it would it would need a real working over and to become a, a kind of romantic comedy that I think it could be. So that's something that I've thought about but I haven't really done a lot to address it. Um the original one of the original cast members, Jeremy Piven, continues to get more and more popular and famous from Entourage, and and he's a guy that I think you know I, I really loved in the, in the piece, and and we've talked about that as a, as a film, but but I really uh, I haven't done done much to to make that happen um, in terms of keeping that those two things distanced. Sometimes a, a piece just feels, and I guess a piece that I write anyway, because I tend to to bridge this fuzzy gap between what I think theater and film is. And uh, I'll write a script that, that seems to work relatively well in both mediums uh, or equally well in some way. Um, but that isn't always the case. I did a play, I guess, about a year ago with, with Ed Harris called Rex, uh, which was a one-man show. And, and he stood up and, and talked to you for, uh, you know, 70 minutes or so. Uh, not something that I could imagine filming as a, as a as, you know, a film that I would expect to be at the local Mm cineplex so uh, there's certain things that just kind of cry out that this is a piece of theater and you should leave it alone and other things that um that suddenly feel like they're worth adapting to that other medium Mm -hmm. but uh i just take it on a piece-by-piece basis
0: and we'll go to that last piece that you mentioned the shape of things that you did adapt for the big screen and it's also kind of timely because there will be a production of it mounted here in lawrence in the near future so that's right but i was curious The film and the play are about unpleasant goings-on in a small liberal arts college town, and I have to ask, being a sort of a conceited Lawrence Townie, can I assume that Lawrence was the basis for The Shape of Things?
1: Um, You really are conceited, (laughs) Uh, but but you're correct in this particular case. Uh Um, And and correct not just because that's the only kind of college town I've been to in my life. Uh, I've been been to a few, Mm -hmm. but um, it sort of fit the bill quite perfectly. But what made it even more accessible to me as a as a kind of touchstone for the play and the and the subsequent film was that Paul Rudd, the uh, the well one of the leads, the, it's sort of an ensemble cast, but he's ostensibly the lead in the in the film. Um, he also went to to KU for yes. a brief time, and uh, we crossed paths. But we certainly had a kind of. Uh, language that we could we could touch on when we talked about Lawrence and say oh remember the museum if we were if you were working there or if this happened up on campus or if if this was you know down by Massachusetts that we could kind of think of it in those terms and the other three actors kind of would look at us like what are they talking about <laughs> But for the two of us, it was easy to kind of reference that and and, uh, and run with that as a as a visual metaphor so so Lawrence was certainly uh, at the at the forefront of our imaginations when we were talking about the talking about the uh, the play in particular the film we ended up setting in California because um, we were just sort of together for a year as a, as a cast and and Uh, and with myself included in that Uh, we started in london then we went to new york and then we ended up um, in the winter out in california making the pictures. so we sort of just thought we don't want to try and make california look like something else so we'll just shift the uh the the geography of the piece to be california so there's there's that in the movie but but really in terms of the play we were thinking of lawrence
0: And this is probably just another feverish, paranoid conspiracy theory on my part, (laughs) but the Rachel Weisz's character's initials were E.A.T. And I was wondering, and you don't have to comment on this, and this could be completely off the record if you want, but I was wondering if E.A.T. had any parallels with the English alternative theater here in town.
1: The English alternative theater. It doesn't actually. Oh, okay. Right. I don't think that even existed when I was there. Oh, okay.
0: Well, darn. <laughs> I was hoping there'd be some other, some nasty undercurrent there, but unfortunately not. Oh, uh, I can dream. <laughs> Who knows?
1: I'm sorry. I, I can't fulfill your uh, your wish there.
0: <laughs> That's all right. I'll just continue. Uh, fashioning tinfoil hats uh, in my spare time (laughs) speaking of the shape of things and this is probably not very interesting to to other people but i i did see the shape of things during its initial run in london in 2001 oh great yeah and it was fantastic and i was actually very pleased by your choice to use the smashing pumpkins as a soundtrack during during the production i was wondering what led to that and like is music in general very important to your creative process or are you just a big smashing pumpkins fan
1: uh, yes, is the answer to that <laughs> um, in a variety of ways. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that you saw that production. That was one of the happiest um, periods in my creative life, probably. I, I really enjoyed that year that I spent with those with those guys. They they were great to work with, and in, in the various guises that, that 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 play and then film took. Um, the one in London was particularly pleasing because of the venue that we were at, and just it was kind of fresh and new, and and uh, they were all so good to work with. Um, the music um became a very integral part of of the play even even um not even i shouldn't say even more so for for the film It, it was for the film as well but i but i changed the music to elvis costello um for for a couple of reasons um the main reason being that on stage there was a physical amount of time in which people needed to change clothing and get get the stage cleared and and reset so there was about a minute in between each scene change and the smashing pumpkins songs really helped not just cover that because they're so loud but yes. but um they they really gave a sense of kind of america and youth and they just and they suited me i really have always been a big fan of smashing pumpkins and uh, i i have i've often liked doing a show with a um with a complete set of songs by by one group rather than you know an eclectic number of songs from somebody so um I chose that I, I would I would use their music throughout and um, and I also just wanted to hear it really really loud and
0: it sounded awesome <laughs> yeah it was one of those
1: situations where we brought in technicians to check and say say this is how loud you can play without getting in trouble um, in a public space and and so we we really just hammered that music and um, it, it was kind of like going to a concert with you know for free yeah and so that was a really kind of Pleasant thing for for at least me, not necessarily for the audience and and the actors. They, I think, there were periods where they were like, "Oh my god, I hate this music."
0: Yeah, I was wondering like how the predominantly British theater-going audience is it going to very react split, to it.
1: You know, because we had a lot of American students coming through, yep. so half the audience would be shaking their head in approval, you know, and bobbing <laughs> to the music, and the other half were literally holding their ears. And um, that's just sort of the way it went. But I, but the play felt very confrontational and and um it, that the music really helped set that tone and so I, I was always happy with with that choice and the way in which it, it worked so well into the the fabric of the of the play the costello did the same thing for me in 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 the film um and it was the exactly the opposite that i needed someone who could create these really different and and catchy hooks instantly and his songs tend to do that whereas the pumpkins can take you know a whole minute to get a song started practically <laughs> so it's a it was a very different thing um being able to just cut from one scene to another in a movie you have to instantly if you're going to use music you know throw something in there that that is appealing and then disappears um but in terms of the stage it was nice to have that those little assaults you know every every 5 minutes or so yeah
0: uh, well, <laughs> enough about the pumpkins aside. Yeah,
1: well, uh, like sitting around the living room. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but we'll get back to your work now. As I was sort of preparing for this interview, I stumbled across the term "libutian" uh, <laughs> to describe your work. And I'm just wondering how it feels to have your own Ian and your own suffix.
1: It, it doesn't suck. <laughs> um, but it's it, It's strange. And um, I'm not sure it completely applies, but, you know, uh, who am I to say to say no to something like that thrown at me? I've heard, I've heard worse, <laughs> and I'm sure worse will, will still be thrown my way eventually. So um, if something like that gets gets made up or tossed around, I'm, I'm fine with it.
0: <laughs> Neula Butte, thank you very much for joining us here at Lawrence.com.
1: Oh, pleasure. Thanks a lot.